too good. Thanks, heaps, band. Please feel free to grab a seat uh, where you are. Awesome to have you here tonight. Whether you're just sucking in for the first time uh, or if you actually came in last week or we actually celebrated our second uh, birthday out here at Beyond. We had a big fiesta going outside. If you popped in for the cake and all the rest, uh, we're so glad to have you back. Uh, but hope you had a fantastic Sunday. Uh, we just want to thank you for coming out tonight, even on school holidays for some of you to duck in uh, for tonight's service. You actually came in a really good time uh, this week. We're actually cracking open a new can of worms. Uh, in, flat, in fact, uh, we're unleashing a brand new series. Uh, with this idea of a series, it's a three-part series, and really, uh, in light of what we'll be doing, we'll be looking at one key idea over the next three, week, three weeks in a, in a series that we're calling Alone together. And I think the funky image will pop up on the screen really soon. Uh, but uh, yeah, over the next month or so, uh, we're going to have two other communicators are actually going to be up here. So uh, listen, if you get sick of me tonight, or if you like this guy uh, was shocking and he was also just terribly unattractive to look at, that is okay. We have two much better looking blokes that are coming out next week and the week after. So look forward to that. But in light of the series that we crafted here, in light of this Alone Together series, we're going to be breaking down this word of alone. Uh, It's a word that for some of us that might be extroverted people, uh, some of us that might be extroverted people that actually feed off the energy uh, of others, uh, alone, and this idea of alone is actually a scary thing. It's something that we actually struggle with, whereas for some of us that might be more on the end of the spectrum of being introverted, that time we have alone is actually a time where we can have time to ourselves, where we can actually withdraw away from other people and just be present in the moment and be still. But at times, in light of being alone, we can still struggle. In fact, we actually live in this world that seems to be more connected than ever. A lot of technology, a lot of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. We live in this world where we can be more connected than ever. Yet we are still surrounded by people. Even in rooms where we are surrounded by other people, we can still feel this sense of actually being alone. For some of us, we can call it a problem. Sometimes on the news, some, some people actually call it uh, this epidemic, that this feeling and sense of being alone is, is leading people uh, to this root of feeling anxious, of feeling stressed constantly. For this younger generation, it's pointing them down this path of depression. And I know what you're thinking, Riley, this sounds like it's going to be a really exciting next three weeks. But to turn it around and to actually explore this word a little bit uh, more, I want to look with you tonight, this experience of being alone. This experience of being alone that may be visible to us, but sometimes it's the feeling of being alone. This sense of loneliness that can appear invisible to ourselves. Because we know with the word alone, alone is when we're in a place when we are by ourselves, no one else is around. But you see, there is a difference between being alone and being lonely. We know that lonely is different from being alone because we actually feel something. We know that something isn't right. Loneliness is this emotion that actually separates this choice of being alone. You see, loneliness, it's not necessarily a problem. It's not necessarily a problem. It's not necessarily an issue. In fact, it's what we do when we are feeling lonely that is. We can compromise things. We can compromise our own values. We can commit to relationships that we don't actually want to. We can go to things to actually blanket out this raw emotion of actually feeling isolated. 
this loneliness can actually recreate itself. There are actually different ways that we can actually deal with loneliness. And, and to unpack this with you, and to break it down a little bit more, I'm actually going to call up uh, Pat again. He's in his All Blacks tonight to actually uh, pull out uh, a little bit of a prop just to run through some illustrations with you tonight as to how sometimes uh, we can actually approach loneliness. And um, Pat, I can't believe you even followed the costume. You're in All Blacks, perfect theatre production. Thank you very much. Lovely. Can we give Pat a round of applause? What a fantastic guy. Excellent table pushing tonight, Pat. Well done. But a lot of the three approaches that we can sometimes go to when we actually are in this state of feeling lonely. And I want to run you through the first uh, approach and and the ways we actually deal with loneliness. Because the first approach we can take is actually this approach of being the lone ranger. This state where we go over, we put on our, our cowboy hat, we saddle up on the horse and listen to our Keith Urban music. This hat doesn't even fit my head, this is ridiculous. But we sat up on the horse and we're ready to take on this journey head on by ourselves. Because we know, we know that it is easier for us to deal with things. It is easier for ourselves to deal with things because we know ourselves best. And when we put on the Lone Ranger hat, it comes down to the sense that we're actually bottling something up inside we think we can deal with, but we know at the end of the day, every time we put this hat on, the only person that we can ever turn to with disappointment, the only person that we can turn to to actually trust is ourselves. Because of that, we actually go ahead and we actually shut others out. We tell ourselves it's something that we need to do. It's something that I need to deal with myself. And, and more often than not, that can lead us to a completely different approach. In fact, it can lead us to actually turn to something else. And then the next approach I'm going to look at with you, I'm going to, I'm going to call it uh, this approach where we become thing-dependent. We become thing-dependent, where we actually look to something else. We look to things to actually fill the void of that sense of loneliness inside of us, something that can fulfill us. And for me, I wouldn't actually call it thing-dependent. I'd probably go for something else, Dorito-dependent. If you're like me... And you know that there are times when you just need something. You're just craving something to fulfill you, something to satisfy you, something to blanket out that raw sense of emotion. You know for a fact you're going to go to that one thing, sitting on the bench at home, you're going to pick up your Doritos. But the thing about Doritos is is that you're pretty much walking around like a crime scene because Doritos stain, you get the orange fingers, you can't hide away from it. There are so many half-empty packets of Doritos at my house because of myself and my sister. You can ask my mum after that later. But we can become thing-dependent. And maybe that thing for you isn't Doritos. Maybe it's something else. Because there's a lot of things that we can actually turn to to help us procrastinate and how we actually deal with how we feel. Maybe for you, it's, it's on a Friday or Saturday night, just, just hitting up Netflix, just going to town on, on a good old episode of Gilmore Girls, just smothering yourself up in that glass case of emotion, and that's your way of procrastinating in dealing with how you actually feel. Maybe it's for you, or maybe for you, it's actually heading out to the shops. It's getting the credit card out and telling yourself, it's treat yourself today. And then going back the next day, it's treat yourself the next day as well. You become this consumer to the things you're buying because what you're actually turning to and what you're investing in is something that you think will actually benefit you. And it gives you this raw sense that you're actually achieving something. You're taking a next step to actually fulfill 
yourself. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's online gaming. Maybe for you, it's actually turning uh, to things like food. Maybe for you, your sense of security actually doesn't necessarily come from the people around you, from the relationships around you, but it actually comes from something else. Maybe for you, your sense of security comes from your phone. Your phone can save you in so many social situations. And you would know this if you're ever third-wheeling on a date with someone or if you ever walk into a room for the first time and someone is in a conversation, if you're new to an environment, school, workplace, uni, even the first time you stepped into a church, you would know that your phone can save you because you can look like you're busy just by having it in front of your face. At times, our phone can be the sense of security that we go to. I had a mate that freaked me out this week. He told me, Riley... You won't believe it. I did a study yesterday uh, and I was Googling online and I found out that humans over time have actually evolved so Apple iPhones will actually fit perfectly in the palm of your hand. And I said, mate, that is ridiculous. And then he said, listen, put your, put your phone in your hand. So I did. And he's like, take your phone away. And there it was, the perfect imprint of the Apple iPhone in the palm of my hand. I, I, he got me for a second, and then I realized naturally your palm will just shrink up when it's relaxed, and that's just how the muscles work. But really, for all I know, I see people with their phones all the time. We know phones can be this thing that people can just grab up and go to, stare at, we can go away on social media, we can look at the things we want to, and we have no idea that the person in the corner of the room looking at their phone is actually someone that is actually seeking a connection with somebody else. See, phones can actually become something that we become emotionally attached to, emotionally connected to. It's pretty difficult at times to say, for myself, for some of you as well, that we actually make more eye contact with screens than we do with people. Sometimes we actually pick up our phone more than we might even hug members in our family. It's a scary thought. But there are other things that we can turn to. Because for some of us, we actually turn to a place that we can go to for that, that sense of safety. We can turn to work. We can put ourselves in a place where we become workaholics in the sense that we go to our work to actually distract us from how we feel, to actually uh, avoid dealing with what we're feeling on the inside, actually processing things. It's odd to think that this absence of, of social connection actually triggers us in the same way. It sends us these alarm bells in the same way, in the same way that we actually feel hunger, we feel thirst. It gives us this sense of physical pain. I don't know for you, maybe, maybe none of those things are things that you turn to, but you know that there is something, something that, that you go to because it best meets your needs. For some of us, these things actually control us. At times it can be scary because at times it can actually be relationships that we're a part of. Relationships that we don't want to commit ourselves to anymore because we know they're not heading in the right direction. For some of us, these things can actually lead us down a path where we actually become addicted to things that, that can put us in a state of having this false sense of fulfillment, of actually filling this void that we feel inside of ourselves. It actually brings us to this third approach. I run, want to run by you tonight. This, this feeling of what they call crowd loneliness. Crowd loneliness, where, where we can be in a place where everything that's happening in the world seems to be spinning at such a fast pace, we no longer really feel like we can keep up with it. We get caught in this spot where the world is so big, we actually try and deal with what's going on within us. 
We show everyone on the exterior that everything's okay, but inside of us, we know there's something that's not right. We know there's a problem that we're trying to fix. When we compare it to the bigger world that we're a part of, we seemingly can't keep up with it anymore. Things happen too fast, that things happen too quickly to even try and compete with where loneliness is actually taking us. And it's a scary path at times because we actually end up seeing ourselves as the problem, just like this stand right now. Well, I get it. Boom, we've done it. We're in. We're fine. But at times we can actually see ourselves as the problem. We see ourselves as this puzzle this enigma that, that we can't fix and we can't solve. And it's challenging. It's, it's difficult. At times, even though it's invisible to the eyes of those around us, it can actually appear invisible as we actually wear it each day. Because I know, because you know what this loneliness actually feels like. You know what it feels like when you're at that party and you have people around you, there's there's music playing, people are having a good time, but for some reason you just feel spaced out, you feel separated, you feel distant from everyone else. We know what loneliness feels like when we, we hit a red light at the intersection, we just have that 50 seconds just to be still, just to have peace for a second. We know that something about how we're wired right now, something about how the way we're thinking is not right. And for some of us, we actually experience this realization of loneliness when we come home from a big day of work or a day out at uni and we're lying in bed at home with the lights off and we're restless because you know something doesn't feel right anymore. There's something that needs to change. I want to lay it out for you uh, here tonight. It's important to identify that loneliness out of everything. Loneliness is not actually who you are. Loneliness is not who you are. It's not part of your identity. Whereas loneliness is something that we all can relate to because we can all feel it. Loneliness is how you feel. And it's that way because it's actually the source of craving for relationship. It's the source of a relationship because you can't overestimate the importance of a good connection. See, loneliness seems to be this sign of life, this unsatisfied desire for connection. And whilst it may be difficult for us to identify it when we actually feel lonely, no doubt you actually know someone who's actually made an unwise decision uh, before because he or she was lonely. We can always leave ourselves asking, why was it so easy for that person to actually, why was it so easy for us, sorry, to actually see the dangers of that person's decision, but so difficult for the person who was in that spot? And it points back to the fact that loneliness is actually this signal to get connected. And we know the signals, but it becomes so routine to blanket them at time. Because the odds are you've been at your workplace, uni, school, maybe for you it's actually a relationship you're in or are in right now, even within the sphere of your family, you know, they actually feel this ache of loneliness. Maybe for some of you that have even attended a church before or even attending church right now. Maybe you're a part of a connect group throughout the week. Maybe you're reading your Bible. You're serving in the community, yet you still feel distant from others. 
still feel distant from others around you to the point that they and God almost becomes far and invisible to you, to the point where our emotions actually lead us to feel frustrated at others and at ourselves because we don't know how to effectively manage or process how we're thinking and how we're feeling. So as we dive in tonight, I want to pitch uh, this question, this question that we'll unpack, this question of how would God actually have me directly deal with my loneliness? How would God have me deal directly with my loneliness? Because for some of you, you, you may actually feel this is irrelevant for you. you might be saying, Riley, listen, I'm not really sold on this whole Christianity, Christianity thing in the first place. I don't even know if this God guy uh, is real. And really, as, as we unpack this question tonight, I just want you to know that that is totally fine. I can understand that you've probably come from experience before with the church or, or with other Christians, and you probably push against this whole idea of who God actually is, and, and I can understand that. But tonight, we actually have an opportunity to answer this question, to answer this question and actually get to learn more about loneliness by understanding how others deal with it. So to answer the question tonight, I actually want to bring you uh, into a narrative, a narrative of how God actually created not just his followers, how he just created his followers uh, to be, but more so how he actually created all of us. The person next to you, people at work, people you study with, people within your family, who he actually created them to be. So tonight we're actually going to take this detailed lens into what the bigger picture design uh, was and actually draw out uh, the person that we see ourselves as and the person we were created to be. And to do that, uh, we're actually going to dive in uh, to the first book of, of the 66 books that actually make up the Bible. Uh, the book of Genesis, you might have heard it before, maybe it popped up for you uh, throughout primary school, and you've, you've heard how the story of the creation actually came across. What we're going to dive into is actually look at how the story, how the book of Genesis actually makes this invisible God visible. To do that, I'll set the scene for you, because uh, listen, we're, we're going to be jumping in at around the sixth day, the sixth day in the beginning. Uh, by this stage, God's, God's got up to some pretty great things so far. He's made the, the sky, he's made night, uh, he's made Doritos, he's made the rest. So uh, cracking in to Genesis 1, verse 26 to 27. It's the sixth day, and God says this. He says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creation that moves, creatures that move along the ground. And listen, it's not a bad, it's not a bad start. Uh, it's not a bad introduction to a story. It's pretty detailed. Uh, but there's two odd things that I want to unpack with you tonight that come out of this verse. And one of them actually is when it says, "God says." Not that the Bible said, but God said, so that they, us, may rule over. God says, not the Bible, but God says that we may rule over. Not just 50-50, not uh, partially have the ability to have ownership over the fish in the sea. Uh, it's not a little bit that he's actually sharing with us. But in light of everything he has created over the last six days... He did so, so that they, us, may rule over it. But if God is, is real, if creation actually happened how he says it happened, 
You've got to be thinking, like, what was he thinking? If you've created something, you don't just let it have control. You don't give it ownership over your masterpiece. And you know this if you're going to go back to the old school days of the 90s or the 2000s. If you've ever played Sims before on the computer, and to fill you in, if you haven't played Sims on the computer before, Sims is essentially a game where you can create your own family, you create a house, you, you know, you can uh, have your, your created uh, son, uh, daughter, head off to uni. It's this whole virtual reality life where you get to create it. And you would know if you've ever played Sims before, you don't give your Sims the ability to have ownership over their decisions because they do crazy things like not wash up the dishes, not clean the toilet, not put a ladder in the pool. And because you don't put a ladder in the pool, no one can swim and get out of the pool. And because of that, your Sims drown. There are situations where you're in the kitchen and there is a fire. And because your Sims can't call the fire police because you have not paid and added a phone into your Sims house yet, there is no way that any of your Sims are alive. We know from the creation side of the game Sims that you do not give people ownership over things that you have created. But to bring it back into something that we can all connect with. In fact, uh, if you are a parent, or if you have a parent, if you've ever been a child before, which I'm hoping most of us is, I think that's how most of us get there, but we don't need to talk about that side of things, that's fine tonight, but to pull you in, if you've uh, ever <laughs> been a parent before, you know that if your child has been married, or is soon to be married, there would be a certain tension to you actually letting them fly from the nest, they find themselves actually committed to someone else, and, and for some of you, you may remember how your parents actually felt leading up to your wedding day, or even the time you, you went out on your first date. For others, you may actually remember what it was like as a child or as a teenager or a young adult actually heading out on that first date. Because as a parent, from that parent point of view, you're probably carefully trying to put on your best smile while on the inside you're in like full protective parent mode. You have your child at the door with this uh, person, this boy or this girl that you haven't met before, you're probably on the outside putting on a big smile, offering them a glass of milk, but the inside of you is saying, I'm going to smack that milk out of your hand. I want to know what your intentions are, where you're heading in your career, what do your grades look like? And I can tell you right now, surprisingly, I'm not a parent, unsurprisingly. I've not been on a date before, but in light of that, I would understand that there would be a certain tension to letting something that you have created actually go out and have free choice, free will and freedom in the decisions that they actually make. Because there is a risk through our lens at times. There is a risk through our lens because we know at times there's going to be consequences, not just for others, but for you as the parent too. So when God says, so they may rule, we can resist the idea that, that he was our creator we can push against the whole idea of whether or not God is just this invisible being. But how does your perception of God actually change knowing that he didn't ask you to be, but made and created you to actually be a co-creator, to actually have ownerships, ownership and rights, to actually have free will over creation and create relationships and create people for relationships? See, if we read it too quick, we may miss uh, the reason why he actually did it in the first place. Because early in the verse, you'd see that God actually says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Notice he says, it's not in my image, it's not in God's image. He's, he's using it as a plural, an our, in our. Who is, who is us? Who is our? See, if we read it too quickly, 
we can miss it. God and who? Who else was there at the start with God? Is he talking about Adam and Eve? Who else was made in our image? And you might be thinking right now, like Riley, I know who else is made in my image. If it was God and someone else, it's got to be like a Ryan Gosling or like a Beyonce, something like that, something attractive. That's who I am, Riley. But I know at the same time, probably torn at this idea. Let us make mankind in our own image. Who was there present with God at the start? He says us. He says our. He's actually talking about community. God talks about this community of three, a relationship of three that some of you may have heard of before at church. You may have heard it at your school. You may have heard it at baptisms before. You may have heard it at weddings. You may have heard it when when people check their sunglasses, their belt, and their pockets too, this idea of the Holy Trinity, of actually God the Father, God the Son, being Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That in the beginning, Genesis, in the book of Genesis is saying that in the beginning you're actually created in the image of God as community. The image of relational beings that created you came from a relationship that was sought out through a connection that happened horizontally. Not vertically, but horizontally with people. Actually came from someone that came, actually died for you, someone that is actually within you. You created in this image of relationships and created for relationships. Not so you can be relational at times, but more so because you are relational. And the narrative unfolds. It continues on in verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Follower of Jesus or not, you were created to not be alone. You were created for relationship. So if God's not just this figment of imagination, if there's actually more to this all-powerful creature that, that we heard and that was real because a book told us, followers of, of Jesus, he actually made himself visible, not just through words in a book, but visible through that of his creation, through people, through humans, through you and I, through the stories of seven billion people, stories of people around us, some of those people that aren't in your life and some of those people that are, people that have this profound sense of what it looks like to actually be connected because they know how much it aches when they are disconnected from others. See, this idea of loneliness where we feel isolated and in a full room and we feel inadequate around people we had known for so long. It's loneliness and it makes it so easy for us at times to actually soak in our imperfections and actually be anxious over the fear of remaining in this constant cycle where our problems, our anxiety, our, our anger, our fear that actually triumphs over our own imperfections and self-expectations and actually feeds this false sense of security and safety within us. This cycle of loneliness is something that we all experience in different ways. We can actually create this experience of feeling alone and actually convince ourselves that we are isolated. So in answering this question tonight, of how would God actually have me deal directly with this loneliness? What if it was this? What if this God above that we so often build this wall between. 
This God that we refuse to believe in because we are so bitter over the fact that it feels like he doesn't care. We've become frustrated at things because we're suffering and managing our friendships, suffering in how we're going through our marriage and can see we're actually turning into things that try, and we actually turn to things that, that we think can actually try and fulfill us actually fix us or at least numb the pain temporarily. We can turn to this God and look at him and, and see him as exactly that, exactly invisible, because we believe that he's still not doing anything to fix it. A God who knows we are struggling, knows we are lonely and does nothing. God, this creator that, that keeps his distance from his minions below, trusting ourselves would often seem a lot easier than placing our trust in people or a God who at times seems to reject us. We know what that feels like when there's people in our life that reject us too, where there's people in our life that actually meant something to us that was of something of value and they've stepped away from the scene. We know what it's like when they're out of the picture because it hurts. Here's the thing. What, what if this God guy... What if he actually gets it? What if he gets it? What if he understands? What if he actually feels this disconnection just as much as we do? What if who we were created to be had less to do with being controlled as a, as a puppet of this world? What if who you were created to be from the beginning actually pointed back to a God, actually pointed back to a relationship, someone that actually desired to love you, someone that actually wanted someone to work with? Someone to actually talk to. Someone to share with. This intimate relationship with someone who can understand, actually feel this sense of loneliness too. What if loneliness is one thing you're struggling with and one thing I'm struggling with because, not because we're, we're necessarily alone and not because we're necessarily disconnected or apart from others. More so, what if loneliness is something we're actually struggling with because we were made in the image of God? Because we were designed for relationship. So what if the answer to this, this question we've been looking at tonight actually comes from an understanding that loneliness is, is not an indica- indication that you're inadequate. Loneliness is not an indication that you're inadequate More so, loneliness is actually an invitation to connect and experience a different kind of life. A life where you're actually able to refuse to let the emotions of loneliness dictate your day. Control your every action. A feeling that actually pushes others away. Your thoughts that bottle you up about who you are to your work colleagues, your uni mates, family, your partner. What if it, that this... This life that you're actually able to refuse to act out of loneliness, knowing that you refuse to let yourself slide into that void where you close in on yourself. You actually let loneliness make you feel physically alone, and you deal with it using coping mechanisms that you believe are best suited to you, but you know are not healthy options for you. If you actually refuse to act and fight loneliness alone, Instead, actually step into who you were created to be and fight loneliness together with others. And I, I can understand tonight, it's, it's an easy thing for me to get up here and say the things I've said. 
And listen, it's simple because loneliness is something we all experience. But oddly enough, it's just not something that we openly talk about. It's not something we sit down for a one-on-one conversation about. So tonight, I actually want to offer you a next step. Not to necessarily overcome what you feel. Not to necessarily give you an immediate remedy to, to fix how you're feeling on the inside, to fix your thoughts. But more so, actually give you a stepping point, a stepping stone to grow in your understanding of yourself. Grow in the understanding of the world that you actually live within and grow in relationships. So I want to give you an application point. And we do this thing here at Beyond. It's called Four Monday. Where we believe there's no point coming to church on a Sunday if it's not going to change you. It's not going to impact you for the rest of your week or for Monday. So as we do the four Monday tonight, I'd love to invite the band back up. But follower of Jesus or not, here's a challenge. And the challenge comes in the form of a game plan. And there's, this is the first step to your four Monday this week. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, what would it look like for you? Just to grab someone that you trust this week? A close friend, a family member, maybe even your partner? What would it look like for you to actually grab someone you trust this week, sit down with them, and actually answer this question of how you deal with loneliness? To actually answer this question of how you deal with loneliness. Now, I want to put a disclaimer out there. Uh, Don't go using this question as a pickup line. It will probably work out terribly for you. You'll most likely come across very needy. However... In light of asking this question, what it look like for you this week just to grab a beverage with someone, grab a coffee with someone, just get some cheese, some wine, I don't know what your deal is, get the Doritos out, whatever you want to do. What would it look like for you just to grab someone close in your life, sit down with them, actually just look at this question of how you actually go about dealing with loneliness. Oddly enough, I'm sure there's a chance that they might actually identify some of the things you're talking about. Some of the things that you think is a facade that you've put on, a mask you put on, something you feel is invisible to others is actually something that you project and close friends, family or people in the sphere of your influence can actually see in you. So you might find that what you're actually experiencing is, is something that they experience too. Could you imagine if this question was actually something that was that's openly talked about, it was a conversation that was actually regularly had within workplaces, within places where you study, within even churches, family homes. Imagine if this is a question that people could openly talk to people about. People would actually have a chance to listen, an opportunity to learn. What would it look like for you this week to ask this question? If you're seeking for something more, if you're thinking, oh, listen, Riley, that's a cool thing to reflect upon, something I might look at. It's something I really want to push you towards because if you're coming here tonight and you know that loneliness for you is something that you've been internally struggling with for some time, I just want to point you to something else and you might have pushback to it. So as it appears on the screen, don't freak out, but I want to pitch it to you. What would it actually look like for you just this week? Just to spend time where you're by yourself to actually just sit, relax and actually just find rest and have time to pray. Have time to pray and simply turn to this God that, that yearns for this relationship as well. Just say to him, God, this is, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. At the end of the day, the, the weirdest thing that can happen is someone catches you out with your eyes closed. You don't even need to have your eyes closed. 
how would it hurt you to actually sit down and find time this week just to pray? Just make a small investment over this week to actually step in uh, or have a starting point to actually respond to this invitation that's been waiting for you. This relationship that's been solidified. God actually gave you ruling over his creation to go out, create more people and actually respond to this invitation. A relationship that was forged in his image as God the Father, the Son through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because he didn't want to just be there at the start. At times it seems he's invisible, but he didn't want to just be there at the start. He refused to even let our own free will and decisions to reject him. He refused to let the idea that fruit that could be bitten would actually break the relationship. So Jesus actually came to meet us face to face. Not with threats or judgment, not with the sword to hunger games this whole place up and start it all over again. But he actually came with nails in his hands. Sacrifice for the sake of intimacy, sacrifice for the sake of love, so that we never have to have this feeling of being lonely. Because he created community, his greatest gift to us was actually himself. Even in the depths of loneliness, we are still connected to others. Even when we don't feel like we feel, or even when we don't feel like we're okay, even when we feel like things aren't going right. There's this uh, sense of feeling connected to others, that we still have an opportunity to actually be fulfilled by intimate relationships with those around us. Be fulfilled by an intimate relationship with a God who actually seeks you out so you'll never actually have to go through lonely times alone. I'd love to pray for you and then we'll flick it back over to the band. God, we just pray as we step into the rest of this week, Lord, even as we step away from tonight, that we know that something inside of us at times, that this thinking that occurs, Lord, or even these feelings that come into play, make us feel bitter, Lord, that make us feel frustrated, not just at you, but at ourselves, even at the people around us. It is so easy to shut other people out and make it feel like we're alone, God when there are people right next to us. This sense of loneliness can become something that we can wrestle with for so long. Lord, I just pray as we step into the rest of this week, as we look to turn to you, God, we can know that you came for a relationship with us. A relationship you actually sent your son to die for. All because this sense of loneliness was something that you felt in the beginning so deeply, Lord, that you made sure that we would never feel that sense of being alone again. You made sure that we would never feel lonely again. Pray these things in your name. Amen.